Craig, your, uh, your family get you that jacket at Walmart or Kmart? <laughs> what are you talking about? Nothing, dude. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, we would tell your parents to shop at nicer places, but your mom is so poor she can't even pay attention. <laughs> academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Wayne Wise and Palindrome Hannah Rogers. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Mav. So, we're back. We're back. I have some news, some very important news. What is your important news? Uh, Serenity is now available in Redbox for rent, but you can <laughs> hear the joy. <laughs> <laughs> you can rent serenity and this doesn't count toward your total hannah no so, yeah. I, just, I just want people to see it like you need to truly experience the transcendence of this film okay you're, you're a good person you know what if you can find the red box rental um cost i'm willing to give you the seven bucks towards your total <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know what we're talking about if you go back to the first episode of, of this year we have been playing a box office fantasy game that we stole from the protagonist podcast which we haven't done an update on in a while but um seeing as how avengers endgame is out and has made all of the money in the world currently at least last time i updated the stats hannah has $124,515,980.74. I am beating her. I have $174,978,549.90. Katia is doing even better than me at $425,619,422.96. And then Wayne is at $1,075,299,738.91. Okay, look, Spider-Man is coming for you. Yeah, I I, I wish I could take credit for anything other than getting lucky enough to pick first. (laughs) With our Rotten Tomatoes modifier, which, you know, you lose money, Wayne has lost in revenue $225 million, more than either Hannah or I have made. (laughs) More than we've made before modifier. (laughs) I stand by my decision to pick Serenity. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we were talking just briefly before the show. I believe that Lion King is going to save me. It's not going to make Avengers money. It's putting me back in this game. I'm playing the long game. I've got Lion King. I've got Toy Story. You have a lot coming up. Look, I have look. Frozen and I have Star Wars. Yeah. I'm, Other I'm things good. might save you. Frozen might save you. Star Wars might save you. Let me tell you, Lion King <laughs> does not. I mean, okay, it might make a lot of money. It does not look good. It just go watch the animated film. You'll have more fun. I'm sure. It doesn't need to be good. It needs to be popular. <laughs> okay, look, it's popular, but only has 15 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. 
it's not going to help it's, you that much. It's going to be it's going to be the movie of the summer. It's going to be it's going to win the summer. It's going to be the biggest movie of the summer because Avengers doesn't count. It came out in spring. Uh, I'm Spider-Man, telling you. Far from home. No, it's going to be superhero <laughs> burnout. <laughs> Men, yeah, sure. Superhero burnout. Yeah. Men in Black International. There we are. Sure. We, we're, sure. we're, we're all going to sit here and cry when it's Dark Phoenix and none of us picked it. Okay, <laughs> I stand by that decision as well. So do I. Yeah, me too. I'd rather lose. <laughs> what if it's good? What if Dark Phoenix is good? Yo, now you're just, that's crazy talk. Yeah, it is. <laughs> anyway, um, so today's topic a little is kind of interesting. We are, well, Hannah, this was, this was your suggestion. So why don't what? you, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> was it? Yeah, yeah it was. Um, Okay, so um, today's topic is, for lack of a better phrase, about poverty shaming. Um, I proposed this topic because now, back in April, actually, Chase Bank caused outrage by tweeting a Monday motivation tweet, and they posted something that was like, you, why is my balance so low? Bank account. You know, make coffee at home, bank account, eat the food that's already in the fridge, bank account. You don't need a cab. It's only three blocks. And they, you know, implied that basically the only reason people don't have money in their bank account is because their customers are irresponsible. And as people like Elizabeth Warren point out, uh, it's like really like <laughs> hypocritical of Chase Bank, um, of all things to lecture people about irresponsible finance when, you know, uh, they were part of the bailout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's also like really bad to assume that everyone makes a living wage when clearly many, many people don't. Um, there's a statistic going around, uh, that Bernie Sanders has recently used that nearly eight in 10 workers live paycheck to paycheck. You know, lots of people struggle to pay for vacations or other amenities. So it, you know, uh, that's kind of like, you know, the outrage of like what poverty shaming kind of like was in that tweet. But I also saw like, like a lot of people, people who are like well-meaning people who may not like be trained in Marxism in the way that I and other graduate students in the humanities are, who are confused about like what was so wrong about Chase Bank insisting people be responsible with their money because they, you know, don't consider that not everyone can afford necessities. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the history of poverty shaming and why we do this. And also like, you know, the overlaps of like popular financial gurus like Dave Ramsey and their valoration of the rich and their shaming of the poor and how it's all ties together. Well, so I thought I'd invite back to the show a friend of mine from college and a, a devoted Marxist. I believe he'd call himself. Uh, welcome back, Les K. Hey, Les. <laughs> hey, Les. Hey, hey. Um, I would say I am, in fact, a devoted cultural Marxist and also a devoted capitalist because, well, you know, I live in the United States in the 21st century. So you have, and you want to eat. Yeah, I, 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 I like eating. It's cool. Right? <laughs> so in some ways, we're all capitalists. But, you know, I mean, like cultural Marxism, in my opinion, provides one of the best ways to look at the forces which are acting upon us, right? Um, 
And mm-hmm. I, and that chase example is a fantastic one because that is that is in a lot of ways pure ideology, isn't it? I mean, all all you have there is so. work hard and you'll prosper, right? It's 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 <laughs> work hard and don't ever spend right. your money and you'll be rich, right? Or like, I mean, this is this is what Dave Ramsey said: be like, if you want to be rich, do what rich people do. If you want to be poor, do what poor people do. So hire a bunch of people and don't pay them. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> That's the truth. What they're implying is some sort of Horatio Alger myth, right? That, right. That we got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, you know? It's just sucks. Can't afford boots, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, so this, this is obviously, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart because I've... I've spent if you if you read my regular blog, not the Vox Popcast blog, I I quite frequently sort of write about this every time um, I get upset because someone is poverty shaming online. Memes happen a lot that are of the format of, oh, here are the horrible things. One of my favorite favorite with scare quotes around it, ones that came out a couple of years ago was was floating around and it was talking about the perfectly legal way that everybody is gaming the welfare system and Section 8 system and how all these people are millionaires. And that having grown up on welfare, that's not true. Um, it's actually really, really hard to get on Section 8 and it's not perfectly legal. If you were to pull this scheme off, they were advocating that's called fraud and it's very much against the law. And I also see quite frequently people saying, oh, well, we need to drug test people on welfare because they're just sitting around getting high on high on the marijuana. They're smoking the weed. <laughs> and they and heaven forbid, and they shouldn't be able to do this. Also, you know, they they're eating prime rib and blah 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 blah. And there's a few things going on here. First off, seriously, you're worried about poor people smoking <laughs> weed. If if that's really your biggest problem, fuck you. You know. Um, but also, it turns out it's not true. They've tried this in a couple of states. They've tried to do the let's drug test people on welfare. And it turns out that people on welfare have a much, much, much lower incidence of drug usage than the general population. And you end up spending way, 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 way more money on the testing than you save on rejecting people from welfare. So it, what ends up happening, I think, is you're you're talking about people who no one wants to feel like people are getting something for free unless it's them. So what's happening is people are seeing other people get something and they want to be able to, well, I get drug tested at work. So everybody should be, well, maybe you shouldn't be drug tested at work. You know, (laughs) like like they don't think that they don't think Um, to punch up. People only want to punch down because it's easier. Well, I mean like look at the example of Elizabeth Warren proposing getting rid of student debt. And mm-hmm. all the backlash from people who had paid off their student debt, who were complaining it wasn't fair for other people to get their debt forgiven. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like my father likes to tell me life isn't fair, um, yes. which is true. But <laughs> uh, I always tell him that, OK, sure. But shouldn't we like break down the barriers that we can to make life more fair? And also, like, why do we want to make life harder for people? Um, right. Especially like those who are like the most vulnerable. Um, like, well, there's also speaking as as the old guy on the panel. When I paid for college like 200 years ago, it didn't <laughs> cost as much. The student loans I had to take out were far less. The interest rates that I paid were far less. 
I had 10 years to pay them off. It wasn't this lifelong commitment. My student loan payments were like $90 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went into school right before the Reagan era. So I got right before I saw this happen when I went to college, my first year there. And you know, like, Matt, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. We were a rural Appalachian household. My dad always had a job. I was kind of unaware of, like, we weren't, we weren't living in poverty, but you know, I, I had comics and I had books and I had food and dad always had a job, but we were far from a wealthy family. So I qualified for Pell Grants and all this stuff. My first year college was essentially free because I qualified for all these things. Flash forward a year later, Reagan's elected. I lost over half of that. Mm -hmm. So I saw that happen. But as a result, all of those things, my loans were significantly less. So to compare what someone who is in college today is having to take out for loans, what they're having to pay general cost of living to what I did 40 years ago is an absurd comparison. Not only Mm -hmm. that, but also wage stagnation, right? Yes. If you add that substantial um, increase in the cost of college to the basically flat wages that we're talking mm-hmm. about in the working and middle classes, then, you know, I mean, it's basically like a hellhole. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling stuff out just, I read at random on the internet. So of course it has to be true, but you know, for minimum wage, I mean, we're fighting to get $15 in States or whatever mm-hmm. for minimum wage to be comparable to what it was in 1980. It needs to be like 18 or $20 an hour. Right. Well, it's with, with inflation, and, yeah. With inflation, and we can't get 15. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so the minimum wage we're fighting for is still a lower standard of living than people who were living in 1980. Well, mm-hmm. in Mississippi, the like the minimum wage is still 725. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I understand that Mississippi has a lower cost of living. When I was in college, I was lucky enough to have a two-bedroom apartment for, like, my half was $250 my final year. But like, that's not everybody. And you can't afford to like, raise a family no, on 725 no. an hour. Um, no. And the, unfortunately, the answer they give with that is these aren't meant to be jobs. These are meant to be, you know, you get them when you're 18 and then you get a real job to support your family. Yeah. And, you know, again, fuck those people. Uh, right, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yes, not yes. true. <laughs> no, no. And it's not true. Again, that's ideology, right? Yes. Like we have this idea of what uh, a service worker looks like. And increasingly, that's not what the guy at your local McDonald's or the woman at your local McDonald's looks like, right? And it does not matter how often you go to McDonald's, right? It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you buy no. into that ideology, you're still imagine them as the pimply faced teenager. Right. Even even though, you know, you go to Walmart, you go to uh, McDonald's, you go to Taco Bell and it's weird, but there's people with gray hair there, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also a stupid argument anyway. Absolutely. If you're going to make the argument that, you know, working at Walmart, working at Target or, or McDonald's, this isn't a real job. This is supposed to be a starter job. This is, you know, you're supposed to do this when you're in high school and they don't need to make as much. Yeah. That is not a good reason to underpay people. No. Your essential argument is it's okay to mistreat people because they are young. I mean, this is like, that is yeah, what yeah. you're arguing. It was like what happened saying. in the 19th century. Like, mm-hmm. they... So, like, there was a big, like, pushback against having women and children in the workforce, not because people thought it was bad to have children in particular, you know, working in mines or in factories that were super dangerous, but because they were cheaper labor. So, they, like, would get paid less because they were young and Mm -hmm. women and they weren't the primary wage winner. Mm -hmm. Uh, that uh, that also that also happened in the fifties and the sixties mm-hmm. with uh, black people in union shops mm-hmm. when they were not represented by those unions. 
Right. You're, you're arguing at that point, even if it, if you believe that those people are not real breadwinners, it's, it's always, it's been the argument for, well, of course men make more money than women. Women don't have to support families. Well, okay. First off, not true. But second, if, if it is true, again, fuck you. You're essentially saying it's okay to mistreat somebody because their situation is such that, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay to, you know, to essentially enslave them. You're like, Oh, well they're, they're less fortunate. So why should they be more fortunate is essentially what you're arguing. Like that, that is, that is the argument, you know? And and we see that argument coming, you know, so many people in that, that punching down thing, you people don't want to be on the bottom of the totem pole. So let's, let's shit on someone else. Um, and and, and, you know, like there's that whole mm-hmm. we need to keep people down so we can feel better than they do. I mean, like this, this has been like a thing since and I, of course, I'm like I stay the 19th century as listeners who pay attention to the show know. Uh, so like this has been a thing since, uh, you know, Thomas Malthus, at least like wrote about uh, how, you know, the poor uh, like overproduced and like we needed checks on the population and we needed to like be responsible. And he had this weird argument that like the passion of the sexes like would never be controlled. But like, if you were a virtuous poor person, you like wouldn't have sex and reproduce if you couldn't support a family. So like if you're poor, you shouldn't have a family. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people have like, cited like Malthus's like um inspiration on the English poor laws like the revisions in like 18 like 30s um like Malthus and his time is one book you can look at if you're interested in this and those poor laws like basically like kind of took like a line that you could parallel to some of like the you know drug testing stuff we talked about today it was like you know if you were an able-bodied person you shouldn't get uh, relief outside of the workhouse and workhouses had super taxing labor. So it was like, not like a good thing to go to the workhouse. Like if you read Oliver Twist or something, you'll see how awful it is in Jane Eyre. When she's a kid, she sticks with her horrible aunt because she knows that going to the workhouse is way worse. Um, mm-hmm. and then like, even people who like, we think as like super left in the 19th century, like Marx, um, and you know, some of us like, would say that we are Marxists and have said we are Marxists on the show. Um, like Marx, like to rehabilitate the like working class category, like the, the proletariat uh, was like seen as lazy and they deserve to make poor wages. And like Peter Stollybrass and other people yes. have like traced like the change of using the proletariat from a bad thing to the good thing. Marx and Engels came up with another category called the lumpen proletariat, which include people yeah. like prostitutes and like mm-hmm. vagabonds and like lazy people and like claimed that they're like, you know, was like a non-working poor who like, we're also bad. So like, it's always like push down, really? push down, push down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up Malthus because one of the things I learned at PCA is in the Fly, Firefly universe, there was an oblique Malthusian occurrence. Firefly, the other serenity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's a callback to our PCA episode. Cause that was like the first line I heard at, at one of the conferences. There was a, an oblique Malthusian occurrence. And that's, I'm going to name a band. that. So. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm glad we were actually able to work, <laughs> I work, mean, work that in. I mean, we can always say that Thanos is a Malthusian, but we don't. Even have <laughs> oh, that's nice. Can I return to the Lupin <laughs> proletariat, though? Go for yes. it. Yes. I just had to throw that in. Please, please yeah, continue. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> the thing about the Lumpen, though, it, it, when you look in Marx, is that it is really not well defined. Like, Mark 
Marx no, and Engels struggle, struggled massively to define it. One of the reasons why it was so difficult to define it is because essentially what it was was an othering category. You know, mm-hmm. like it was a way to, I guess, valorize the proletariat and make sure that there was someone who was beneath them. So, you know. Yes, right. absolutely. And actually, like in 18th Brumaire, which is where Marx talks a lot about the lump in, in great detail, but also yes. like contradicts himself in interesting ways. He, uh, you know, he's talking about Napoleon Third and like the history uh, leading up to his coup where he becomes like a dictator. Um Napoleon III is described as like the prince of the lumpen proletariat. So it's not like just being unemployed. It's like not contributing to society in a productive way in Mm -hmm. that particular volume. It's yeah. And also like somehow sometimes Marx makes like weird parallels uh, in his Mm -hmm. language whenever he's talking about like women in the workplace and like the lumpen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, like, you know, Marx is always, like concerned with the worker and specifically the male worker most of the time, because like I said before, women provided cheaper wages and therefore competed with men. So it's, you know, Marx had a good foundation and we can uh, build upon it. Uh, Yeah. He certainly limited his time in that way. Like he got massively confused by sex work. I mean, he just did. (laughs) Yeah. So I think one of the things that becomes interesting here, I mentioned briefly on both the Kant episode and I believe on our our subcultures episode, we talked a little bit about hegemony. And that's what this is. It's the we talk about punching down. And Wayne, you just mentioned briefly that one of the ways that you know you're not on the bottom strata of society is if there's somebody that you can look down upon beneath you. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that's happening. I don't think it's necessarily intentional. I don't think people are shaming the poor on purpose. I think that we have, particularly in the Western world, particularly in America, but in general, we have a ideological view. And this is where, you know, cultural Marxism meets, you you know, financial Marxism. We have an ideological view that the harder you work, the more successful you'll become. There's Protestant work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any number of East, not fables that that's the, the founding of this country. Yeah. We should probably, t- we should probably yeah. talk yeah. about Puritanism some. Yeah. And well, we'll get to it, but that's not necessarily true. But since most people believe it is, if I believe that I'm a good person and I'm working hard and I feel poor, therefore anybody poorer than me must not be working as hard with me as me. And therefore they are lazy, you know, good for nothing bums. So I've heard, I've heard that idea that we've been sold this, this idea, you know, everybody in America is a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. (laughs) That idea that we can all, you know, build Apple in our garage and and become billionaires overnight. That's the American dream. We can all do that. And obviously we can't just like, I I mean, I would love to, be to play for the NBA. I love basketball. I'm yeah. also five eight, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm forty five years old, and I have bad knees. It's not going to happen. But, um, but, but if I work there, hard, there's there right, and there seems to be that American mindset of that that we can be that if we just we work hard enough, and that will make us more valuable. And 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 no one wants to. Our value is tied to how much we make. In a broad general sense, you know, how, how much, what do we own? What do we have? You know, you go, you meet new people and what do you do? You know, you, you are so, your identity is so consumed with what do you to do to make a living? Yeah, I mean, this is ingrained in us from like 
the very beginning when we're kids and don't even notice it. Like not necessarily what mm-hmm. you do, but like where you live, what do you want to you 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 grow, grow up? up, what are your like what do your parents do? Like I I I did not grow up poor. Like my family was middle class though we lived frugally. Um I remember to this day in second grade a friend told me you live in a poor house and I live in a wow. rich house. What a nice friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, oh, did they paint a yellow X God. on your door and like send the lepers there? <laughs> no. <laughs> but like, you know, like, I mean, like, I, I grew up in a town that's obsessed with like class and money and like tracing like your history back to the Mayflower or, you know, whatever. Uh, and like the f- certain families have lived there for freaking forever. And like people. I'm a Negro. My people were not on the Mayflower. They came <laughs> on a different boat. They were a good time to remind everyone that this country wasn't founded on hard work but stealing <laughs> land and genocide and yes. violence. Um, and but you know, like <laughs> the hard work of people, the hard labor of the people we enslaved. So, you're saying if I want to be like the rich people, if I steal land <laughs> and kill a bunch of people, kill a bunch, kill and enslave a bunch of people, okay. you're on the road to oh, I'm leave my iPad and make some notes here. <laughs> I think this is exactly what Dave Ramsey meant when he said that. Um, like, oh. Know, Oh, behave like rich people. Yeah, that, no, that makes rich. sense. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, but you know, like I mean, like so, so, so genocide and slavery is is the yeah, okay. like, uh, you know, like Howard Schultz. You know, like he has no like qualifications for president, really. But like people gave him town halls just because he had money. And yeah, I think we have the premise oh, of yeah, here, which one? <laughs> uh, become rich. The, yeah, the whole how to become rich, and we we it's it all starts with murder. It starts with murder. Yeah, why not self help science fiction? I like it. I don't. I don't endorse this book. <laughs> it's a parody. Uh, I don't. I don't know what's parody and what's real anymore. Because like, I, know. Like, yeah, I no woke kidding. up and on my phone it said there was a whale spy from Russia in Norway and it's the greatest news story of all time, but it's like also real. And I, you know, (laughs) and that was the cutest I've ever seen. Right. Like, I mean, what? <laughs> you have to link to yeah. this in the show notes. Uh, the the article, yeah. yeah I'm a uh, grad student, so I have no money. But if I had money, I was definitely going to fly right? to Norway to pet the beluga whale. Yeah. Yeah. If you murder someone and steal some land, <laughs> you you can pet all the whales okay. you want. <laughs> I'm going to be bored and live my virtuous <laughs> life watching Serenity. So anyway, Cheedy would be proud of you. Um, I, oh my God. I'm, I'm like the annoying moral philosopher well, on this we podcast. Can... <laughs> well, yeah. Let's talk about the Puritans and class markers Let's because the like the story that Anna told actually reminded me of like a story from my childhood. Um, I think I have to talk about my childhood now because everyone else did. Uh, so I grew up working class with, get this, a single father. Born the son of sharecropper. No, it wasn't yes. quite like that. But I, I grew up working class with a single father in the 70s, so it was deeply unusual, right? Um, and, and my mom my mom basically survived because of welfare, right. because of Section 8 and things like that. So I'm very familiar with how those things actually function. Um, as opposed to how people think they function 
But, you know, when I was in junior high, right? Like, if you can think back to junior high, junior mm-hmm. high is when clothes could be like deeply transformative in some way, right? Like, deeply transformative. So, you know, I mean, I had like kind of the average <laughs> stuff. I had like Levi's, I had B jeans, sure, I had like whatever. But like, yeah, I don't know if you remember this or if you're even old enough to remember this aside from math, but guess jeans were big then. Wayne's mm-hmm. older than I am. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I just know you're the same age as me. Man. I went to college oh, 200 oh. years ago, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with Reagan. Okay, this is after your time. So, <laughs> guess jeans were a huge thing, right? And I mean, they were like 50 bucks. That's like beyond my budget. It was clearly beyond my budget yeah. considering... Hold, hold on, just for one for one moment. Uh, I want to translate to our African-American listeners from the Caucasian. Um, when he says guest jeans, he means yes. Air Jordans. Yes, Continue. yes, exactly <laughs> like that. Thank you. Um, Very good. Yeah, and so my mom actually like got a little bit of money and wanted to spoil me, right? And so I got one pair of guest jeans. One pair. I wear them to school, super excited because I'm waiting for transformation. <laughs> I mean, I, I was a junior high kid, right? So like all of the ideology was going th- through and through me, like as you well know. Um, and instead of transforming and suddenly becoming this popular kid, right? Because, oh my gosh, I can represent this different class that I don't actually belong to. Uh, I, I got to hear people whispering about like me having guest jeans. Like whispering, like, how does he have guest <laughs> jeans? And I'm like, because they got bought at a fucking store. Like, what's your problem, right? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like, it, it is a lot like that whole Puritan idea, right? Like, I didn't deserve that red A. Oh, wait, no, I got that backwards. <laughs> but you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it is. This reminds me of a story uh, like that has nothing to do with me. But speaking of clothes, do you guys know what Lily Pulitzer is? No. Okay. We're old. So like, <laughs> I was never, I was not in a sorority because also like I could not afford to be in one and I didn't right. care. Uh, because I didn't dance on tables whenever I was in college, but like, you know, there were so many restrictive rules. I wanted right. the option to. Um also, I don't think that anyone would ever accuse me of being ladylike. Um, so didn't didn't do sororities, but there was a big thing in sororities like that people wore in Mississippi State called Lily Pulitzer, and it's like just basically like floral dresses that costs way too much money. If you see, I do know what that is. If you, yeah, if you see like one of the stores in the mall, it looks like Easter threw up. Um, <laughs> anyway, a couple years ago, Target. And Lily Pulitzer like got together and um, like had like a Target brand Lily Pulitzer, which was, you know, like 75% cheaper than actual Lily Pulitzer. Right. And all these women online freaked out and were like, these girls don't deserve Lily Pulitzer. It's not real. This cheapens my brand. And, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it kind of reminds me of like these class markers mm-hmm. um, that you were talking about with like jeans, like certain people. Um you know, are seen a certain way. Like if honestly, I think if I had dared to wear like anchor rain boots in college, because anchor rain boots were the symbols of like one of the sororities, someone would have told me I had to take them off because they didn't want me to be associated with them Wow, or something dumb. God. I have these dreams now of like, uh, of like in Mississippi state, there are like you're Mississippi state, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, there are like roaming Crip and Bud like sororities <laughs> that like just are wandering around. You're you're wearing the wrong boots, and there's but like it a rumble. It's kind of and, like that, though, know. right? Like it is about authenticity, <laughs> and it is about like where you belong within a culture, right? Like, so it's totally like that, math. It's like it's like it's like working class gangs, yeah. and uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, streets of New York. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> when you're a jet. You're I'm sorry. Well, the 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 Essie Hinton book, the the Outsiders. I mean, that's the plot of that book, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, totally. Well, there is some logic to that, though. When when you're talking about fashion in particular, you know, again, we go back to the "You Are What You Wear" episode for more details. But part of fashion is marking yourself as a member of a subculture of a, of a or of a class, mm-hmm. and the uh, if you're looking at a a hierarchically higher class, you know, why are diamonds important? Because people who are poor can't afford them. That's the only reason, you know, because they're a rock. They dig them out of the ground. Right. But, but, but they're a pretty rock, but yeah, but I mean, but everything's like that, you know, what, like, why do I drive a Cadillac? Uh, I mean, I don't drive a Cadillac, but why does someone drive a Cadillac? A Cadillac is just expensive. It's not good on gas. It's not particularly fast. I mean, frankly, as far as luxury cars go, there are 18 billion better options. But the Cadillac, yeah, but the Cadillac is yeah. entirely just a status symbol, and you you sort of don't want one if it's cheaper because the entire point of a Cadillac is that you can afford to buy it, mm-hmm. right? And when yeah. you talk about like sort of the mythologies that we're talking about here, like the mythology of what poverty is and sort of people gaming the system and those sorts of things, I think that's kind of what you see, right? Like it's, it's, it, it, you see this mix of the aspirational, right? In purchase power, as well as, you know, don't go too far, mm-hmm. right? Like there's this line that you cannot sort of cross or else then you'll be seen as like um, to borrow from Reagan, right? Like that old rope of the welfare mother that's driving her Cadillac in the car. It, 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 to the grocery store mm-hmm. where she gets free groceries mm-hmm. and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, using your food stamps and, on monster, right? Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah, kind yeah. of like talking about the welfare queen stereotype. Uh, we need to acknowledge that, like, it's very much based in race. Um, yes, absolutely. Especially, especially in the South. Um, and I, you know, like with Trump, there's like, you know, this idea that people vote for him because they were worried about the economy or whatever. But at the same time, really what was motivating people, they have found as time has gone on, it has been mostly about race. Yes, um, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, like there, I, there's a segment of my family who will never listen to this show. Uh, <laughs> so whatever. Uh, but there's a segment. Hey, Rogers. Uh, <laughs> not Rogers side. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but they, you know, they, they are, uh, in the poor, like slash working class category, and they in general vote Republican every single time because of race issues. They took our jobs, you know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and also, it it protects their betterness, right? Like mm-hmm. as yeah. disturbing as that is, it protects their betterness, even though the people that 
they get to remain better than are their natural allies. If we're looking at it from a Marxist perspective. Yeah. Like, well, that's class hypocrisy right there, because we end up with a, with a situation. We talked about, you know, the myth that if you work hard, you can you can better yourself, lift up your, yourself by your own bootstraps. You can, you know, the dream of America is that one day everybody can work hard and be in the middle class. That's impossible because of what middle means. Middle means that someone's below you and someone's above you. So we can't all be in the middle class. That's just math. Um, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> but. It, no, it is though, and and the economy will readjust to fix it. But even ignoring that, you know, the problem with that philosophy is when we want that, it, you know, we want to believe that we can work hard and raise ourselves in the middle class. The middle class wants to believe that it can raise itself to the upper class. But you sort of don't want to believe that anybody else can do it because then it makes you less special. We talk about the middle class looking down upon the working class. The working class looks down upon the poverty class. But even if you get to just the upper echelons, you know, there's the there's the nouveau riche, right? There is the old money will always look down upon somebody who, well, yeah, sure, he's a millionaire, but he's only, you know, like he's not. He's, He's really like recently rich, which which essentially means you know I was born rich, so I'm better. So essentially, you're saying you are better than this other person because they worked hard to get where you are, and <laughs> like they worked hard, you were born that way. That makes you better. It's sort of a you're always looking for a in order to not feel like you're at the bottom of the totem pole. You've got to look at a way to look down upon the people that you can see. And that goes back to the European nobility and not just Europe, but just that idea that there are people who are born better because they are nobles. Yeah. If you, but if you, you know, look at the people who ruled all of Europe, you can uh, see that, uh, well, no, (laughs) Um, or or even today, uh, the royal family is like what famous for corgis and mistreating women. (laughs) <laughs> Lots of inbreeding over there. So I think that Puritanism <laughs> is like a huge part of that, right? Because Puritanism like represents like has this idea that there yes. are external representations of one's virtue, right? And what better way to do that than with guest jeans, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I was not good enough to wear those guest <laughs> jeans. And so I, I wrote a sort of puritanical code that I did not realize was there, right? Like, I still live in an apartment complex. I can't have those. Again, he means Jordan. I should have spent that money on, like, helping my dad get a better job. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, that is the judgmentalness exactly. of it. That, that's, again, that's the class hypocrisy. You, you know, you worked hard, but you did the wrong thing. We start with talking about change. Mm-hmm. but also the you know the idea of looking down upon the poor how dare those people um smoke a joint well you know they can't afford they can't afford you know to go to a therapist so maybe um if you work three jobs you are entitled to just get a little high to get through the day <laughs> I, i'm just i'm being reminded of, of phrases i grew up with out out in the holler um you know, he ain't no better than he ought to be. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the impression of that being, yes, you work hard so you have this stuff, but the moment you step above the station everybody ex- thinks you're in, oh, he thinks mighty highly of himself, doesn't he? But just that, that idea mm. that you, know, you, you can work hard, but the moment you start stepping beyond the category that everybody assumes you're in, the category that all of your mm-hmm. contemporaries and peers are in, they start shaming you for thinking you're better than you mm-hmm. are. Absolutely. Yeah. It works both ways. You, you step above these other people mm-hmm. and, and they want to knock yeah, that out. Absolutely. Know, 
Uh, something else that we haven't talked a whole lot about is like also just like assuming, yeah, you know, people like it make the assumption that, you know, like poor people make choices and they like make their lot in life. Um, <laughs> or like, you know, you're, you're poor because you're lazy or you can like dig yourself out of debt or, or, you know, that, this kind of thing, which is obviously not true because right. like, 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 I'm sorry, like employers just don't pay living wages. And even if you like go get a PhD, like, some of us on the show are doing or have done, uh, that you know. doesn't yeah that doesn't mean that because like uh you know like uh phd like tenure track jobs in the humanities are disappearing for a lot of reasons including funneling money to the top of the administrative yeah. um, branch of the university and they're a, a adjunctifying labor so like instead of getting paid like an actual salary that would be equivalent to your education they'll pay you three thousand dollars a class with no benefits so yeah so like education does not always equal good pay more also you know things like automation globalization everything seems very unstable i I think you in back back home in my rural county i you know i will hear people bitching about to, you know, immigrants taking their jobs right. while they're standing in the oh. self checkout line. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, well, you know how many people you, you have unemployed mm-hmm. because of this? Um, right. Walmart's not paying you to bag your own groceries. <laughs> yeah. and I think a lot of it, it, it's a valuing of work. Why do we devalue people who work at Walmart or McDonald's? We devalue them because we think of them as poor people jobs and we want to think of the poor people job as less important. This happens right. yeah. in somehow morally and Inferior morally inferior <laughs> i think there's a class marker that happens at all levels of this like you know actually today i don't know if it's really quite as bad or if they've sort of dug themselves out but classically those who can do those who can't teach as though right. teachers you know teaching is a job that we should look down upon which mm-hmm. arguably mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's still part of the conversation sure. actually and i think that you yeah. see that in the wages that teachers are yeah. getting, particularly in K through twelve. But I think we do that with other things. Like so, even if we just go to the world of academia, the there's been such a push for STEM jobs over the last fifteen years that if you are in the humanities, which I happen to think is relatively important, and I'm pretty sure less than yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with that. I think the humanities <laughs> are important, and I think. Well, I mean, honestly, I think that like. You know, I quit academia because the last year I taught, I made 20 for a year and I taught a three, three basically. So yeah, no, fuck you. Right. Like that's exploitation. Um, <laughs> right. That's a problem. Right. But I mean, there's a look down upon you. And, and what do we do by doing that? We created a glut where there's actually kind of a corporate problem right now of not being able to hire people who have important skills like being able right. to write things no, absolutely. because we created a dearth of it by telling everybody to be computer programmers. Right. But even right. beyond that, we, you know, academically, and I don't necessarily mean people on this show, but academically, we look at, you know, everybody should be a computer programmer as though it wasn't important to be a trucker. Truckers are super important. Without truckers, the world economy falls apart. Everything in your house got to you somehow on a truck at some point. It is is one of the most important jobs in America and the and the rest of the world. Like for construction. You some mm-hmm. you somehow, but Matt, you somehow just tapped into one of like my major fears about the future. <laughs> truckers will go away. It's yeah. truckers. Yeah, yeah. automated cars. Yeah, it horrifies. Yeah. Me. yeah. 
Yeah, no, that that absolutely horrifies me. And mm-hmm. I think that if we don't have basic minimum income by then, oh, fuck. I just, I don't, yeah, well, fuck. I mean, like, the thing, like, you know, you see these articles about how, like, loads of baby boomers don't have any retirement savings, um, mm-hmm. which, like, is for a variety of reasons. But, you know, I, I mentioned Dave Ramsey on the blog, boxpopcast.com, uh, by the way, if you want to contribute to future shows, get that plug in early. Uh, I've also mentioned Dave Ramsey at the oh, top of the show. Oh, it's not that early. Uh, yeah, no, it's not early. Uh, but like Dave Ramsey and like other people like him are like quote unquote financial gurus, ever how right. much you want to like believe that. Um, yes. Dave Ramsey <laughs> makes me roll my eyes, whatever, come at me. Um, but like, if you like, I will say that like, you know what, that like, if you have money, it's good to be financially responsible. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you have it, that's great. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't save your money or whatever. I mean, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Right. But if you read Dave Ramsey's like seven baby steps to get out of debt, which is like what he's kind of famous for his first baby step is save $1,000 for your starter emergency fund. I can tell you <laughs> as a graduate, yeah, Matt, Matt is laughing. <laughs> and I can tell you yeah. that is because if you are a graduate student or make seven twenty five an hour, like the hardworking, like minimum wage yeah. workers in Mississippi, that's really hard. That's like not, a baby step. Uh, and also like in his, yeah. and like when he like expounds on this, he's like, save it as fast as you can. Sometimes that's like a year to baby step. <laughs> or yeah, longer, no, or no. longer. Baby step two. Yeah. Depending on what else happens. Yeah. Pay off all debt, except the house yeah. using the debt snowball. Okay. Well, I don't have, I don't even have a house, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> baby step three, save three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. So like I like saved and saved and saved for years in graduate school. And then my laptop broke down and then then my mm-hmm. emergency fund was just completely yeah. cleaned out. Uh, then maybe, yeah. Then maybe, yeah. Well, the, the, the best way to save you three months worth of expenses is to not pay <laughs> yeah. my expenses for three yeah. months. And then like yeah. baby step four is invest 15% of your household income in retirement. Again, don't have the money to do that because a lot of us are living paycheck to paycheck. Baby step five, save for your children's college fund. I mean, I don't have kids, but again, I can't even save a thousand dollars emergency fund all the time, baby step six, pay off your home early. That assumes you even can afford to buy a home and then like baby step seven, build wealth and give. And I admit that part of the reason I don't have savings is I've like given to like causes I believe in, especially in like this day and age, it makes me feel a little bit better, but like, it's still like five to $20. It's like, you know, like I I can't. It's, it's, no, it's not a house like, payment. And like my dad likes uh, the Bogleheads um, and other people have different investors. They like, but like all those things, even like our personal finance on Reddit, which like covers like loads of different income levels because right. it's like the internet. Like they all assume you have right. supplemental income and you're not just trying to live day to day. And that's a general thing about the way, and this goes back again to why do we shame the poor? We, people don't understand when you, when I'm talking about actual poor now, everybody feels poor, but when we're talking about people who actually are lower class, think about the way your credit works. The less money you make, the higher your interest rates. This makes no sense to anybody except for rich people. Yeah. But like there, oh, there absolutely. is absolutely no logic to that whatsoever, but it's something that we've allowed to happen. You know, it's like, oh, you don't have any money, so we're going to charge you more. And and it's gotten worse. Yeah, that's making it harder for you to get out of debt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things like I've seen people, again, shaming on the Internet, memes. Well, how dare the people, you know, I saw people on welfare with iPhones. What is this? Well, it's 2019. 
fucking try to get to get through life without a smartphone. Right. Like, you just can't. Like, how do you apply for a job without a cell phone and to, you know, without Internet in 2019? Good luck applying to work at McDonald's even. You know, there's like there like, mm. uh, well, McDonald's, you can probably go in and ask for an application and anything better than that. Probably not. Like that's just, right. that's just how jobs work. Yeah. You know, you need a certain bare minimum amount of expenditure, which is not really cheap. You know, you could get a, you, you could probably get just a flip phone if you could find one somewhere cheaper, but I, those don't get internet. And if internet, if my only internet is having a cell phone, I need that. Yeah. Also in Mississippi, like our other places that are rural, especially to get around, you need a car. Like it's not like you yes. can yeah. just use public transportation because there is either none or it sucks. Yeah, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's uh, just to the point where it's- rural and, and public transportation yeah. is not cheap. Yeah. If you live and in public transportation is worse. The the worst, the, yeah, yeah, the cheaper, the poorer the neighborhood you get to, the yeah. worst public transport. Public transportation is great when you live in also rich like, places. The only place it's good is New York and San Francisco. I mean, like, oh, and maybe LA. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Chicago. Mm, it's not yeah, great maybe. in LA. It's good in Chicago. Not great in LA. You know, I, I also would say that like a lot of people to go back to like, you know, uh, you know, we all make choices in life and that determines where we are, blah, blah, blah. Also forgetting about structural violence and like cycles of poverty, but also like whenever that you say like you make choices, how many of us actually got any sort of like financial, like literacy class in high school? I yeah, I, I like to learn how to write a check in third uh, grade, and that was it. I actually did, though. <laughs> yeah. It didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when you grow up working class, and then you go to an elite college, and then you have, like, so much debt, and then, like, the market collapses beneath you. I mean, there's nothing you can do about global recession. Mm-hmm. You just can't, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah that's yeah. out of your control. Yeah. Well, And the, the part of that yes, shaming is absolutely. also... How dare they spend their money doing yeah. something fun? You know, like, like you're, you're, you're stressed. You're not making enough money. You're not paying, paying, being able to pay your bills. By God, I'm going to stop right. and have a beer. Right. I, I'm going to see a movie. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like with Mav's earlier point about like drug use and stuff. I mean, like the kind of that we're talking about living, like I don't fault people like that for doing heroin. I mean, clearly <laughs> fucking don't because it's dangerous, particularly now. Right. But I don't fault them for it. And why, like, where does this idea that people who have different classes, you know, have the right or the ability to tell them, no, you you should not spend your money on something that brings you joy, regardless of how fleeting that is. Yeah, you should live a joyless life. I mean, like, also, like, if depending on the history and the, like, intersectionalities between class and race and gender, uh, a lot of us... Uh, have benefited from like, you know, just completely like, the systems that have pushed poor people down uh, and have kept mm-hmm. them in these cycles. Oh, absolutely. Like, Both Mav and I have. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you and I have, we went to a school called Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, I, 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 I went there because I was like, because I scored better on the SATs and grade point average than anybody else in the state. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying either one of us had, I was dirt poor. I'm not saying either one of us had to like be good at what we were doing to get there. What I'm saying is that that school exists because of exploitation of labor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like look at how Georgetown was built. Um or you know like what what happened with duke and like how where duke's money came from and like mm-hmm. julian carr who is famous for giving like the dedication speech mm-hmm. at unc silent sam uh where he talks proudly about how he beats a black woman 
Um, like he donated mm. land to Duke and there was a building that was named the car building on East campus until it got changed mm-hmm. because people were like, we don't want this to be named after white supremacist. <laughs> wow. So, like, That's pro- so progressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. The bare minimum was done. Yeah. Well, I wanted to get, I want to get back to I didn't want to skip over too much because Hannah started talking briefly about the you know, about the intersectionality of class and race and gender. And I think this goes back. To, uh, it ties in with Les's point about Puritan uh, about Puritanicalism. Mm-hmm. We try to enforce on the poor the cultural values, not our own cultural values, but the cultural values you think are, are appropriate for them. You are poor. You should not be allowed to have champagne. You should not be allowed to have weed. You should not be allowed to go on vacation. You know, there are like, I, I, you know, I remember my mom saving up for like two years so we could go on vacation to a hotel on the other side of town for a weekend. Like awesome. that, <laughs> yeah. That was our vacation and that's great. But to look down upon somebody else because they're having a little bit of fun. And I think part of that, you have to understand that part of the connection of poor, when you're talking about those people, anytime you're doing that, you're always, there's so much of poor being coincident with black. There's so much of poor being coincident with female. And this goes down to traditionally and this is this is not marx's marxism but it's extensions of marxism that have been put over town we traditionally mm-hmm. undervalue female labor um being a maid is looked down upon uh, first off there's no reason we don't even say we say maid you know not housekeeper maid being a maid is looked down upon because that was woman's work domestic work is woman's work and that wasn't as important as being a banker um and then we look down upon things you know construction work be you know things that uh, things that poor black people could do mm-hmm. or today we say you know the mexicans you know th- those sorts of things but also yes. less you talked briefly about sex work at the very beginning sex work's always devalued always. why mm-hmm. i mean and and i don't mean by sex work i mean on a couple of levels i'm talking about things that are illegal like prostitution which is an entirely different question of you know why is that even the case but even legal sex work things like being being a stripper being a phone sex operator um these things are looked down upon because there's no good reason they're providing it's functionally no different than any other any other kind of entertainer but we look down upon it because they're mostly women and it's you know sex is bad also to like wave my 19th century flag again, uh, you know, people like Henry Mayhew who like chronicled prostitutes didn't even consider that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like, they tied it to things like the passions and bad behavior. And so even if women were being paid to sell their bodies, uh, they were put in a category of non-workers who were like Marx's lump in proletariat in that they didn't contribute anything to society and just spread disease. Yeah. But like literal moral. And, 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 and that's the, the, the moralism, the Puritan, Puritan, Puritan thing again of just, you know, the, right. they're lumped in that category and looked down on because it's a moral outrage as well as not. But why is it a moral outrage? Society. It's only a moral outrage because. Because Puritans say it is. Well, but, but Puritans say it is because it's a function that because of the way we've set society patriarchally, it's a function that mostly only women can perform. Yeah. If, if yeah. sex work were, yeah. if sex work were primarily done by men, 
it wouldn't be a problem. Oh, no. And of course, it yeah. challenges the nuclear yeah. family household, which mm-hmm. people like, I mean, even like right. Lash in like the you know 70s who wrote like Haven in a Heartless World was freaking out about how, you know, like the, the family has been seen as like the domestic space where the dude comes home from work and he can kick back and relax and his wife can bring a martini or some crap like that. Yeah. And like it's being, Man's home is his castle. Yeah, and it's being destroyed by all these outside forces and also like prostitution, of course, because mm-hmm. women infect society and a bad woman is a bad society, obviously. I'm being so sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Please address hate mail to Hannah at <laughs> <laughs> Sure, ma'am. Blame it on the woman. <laughs> I, I love how you just played the gender card for me. As <laughs> though uh, so she could do it herself. <laughs> yeah, you just hang in there. You just hang in there, little missy. We'll take care of I, it. I believe your I believe your white knighting is the term. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> even, though epi- even though this episode is not over nor edited, I can tell our subscriptions just dropped by 65%. Hey, there's a reason why I'm staying quiet right now, you guys. Like, let Hannah finish her point and then, then we can jump in. And then maybe we can talk about how liberals yeah. also attach to sort of puritanicalness. As we may have just seen, I don't know. Absolutely. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's certainly a myth that this is um this is mostly a conservative problem that and, and I mean, it's easy to say it's more a conservative problem. But one of the reasons it's easy to say that is because we're all very liberal. And so it's, so it's, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a class problem in there. It, it's, it's a matter of money. I have, I have friends who grew up in a significantly more wealthy family than I did. You know, people who just, you know, took for granted money. And they're also some of the most politically mm-hmm. liberal people I know. And there have been times I've been absolutely stunned at their cluelessness mm-hmm. of what being poor is, you know, without you know, getting into specifics, just assumptions, you know, they, here's the life they, they led and assumptions made about poor people or the life I grew up in that were just like, wow, you have no idea how incredibly mm-hmm. insulting that yeah. is. Yeah. But, but but these these are generally good people and, and incredibly liberal people who with the best things but completely unaware just because of that's not the world they grew up in. Yeah, I had a friend in San Francisco who I I had to explain to him what a bubble loan was, and he's like, "Wait, you get loans for your car?" <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and that was, and that, that was it. It was, there was a certain amount of unintentional mm-hmm. poverty shaming on their part out of lack of experience or understanding any of what that is. I was going to say like, you know, we can see this in the democratic party. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jody, Jody Dean uh, wrote a book called democracy and other neoliberal fantasies after Obama was elected. So it's, it's like kind of old now, but it's point still stands. And her basic argument is, is that the, Republican Democratic parties are both beholden to corporations. Um, and so that yeah. they're going to vote in the interest of corporations, which we've like seen throughout our recent history. And we also like can see the tension in the Democratic party now because like people like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is like, you know, leading, uh, with like promoting like socialist policies, basically. Um, more or less, you know, she's like 
in the Bernie wing. She's like going after corporations. Like she and Bernie just proposed capping credit card interest rates uh, at the very low interest rate of 15%. Uh, I say that sarcastically. I know that 15% blew my mind, right? Like the, how bad has it gotten that 15% yeah. is the cap, right? Like yeah. how bad has and it like, gotten? You know, yeah. and, and, and this is for banks. They're fucking yeah. banks. If you run a bank and you can't make money, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's basic economics, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. They invent money. <laughs> like, why do they need to rip us off when they do it? Also, to go after, you know, Joe Biden, uh, whatever he, oh. because, you know, it's easy, I guess, low hanging fruit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can say many things about Joe Biden uh, from his, like, lack of apology to Anita Hill to the crime bill. But what I want to say about this particular topic is he made a comment fairly recently about he has no like empathy for young people because like we are saying that like the economy is hard and he's like whatever so to uh, to, to that you might have no empathy for me or it seems anyone who's not of your demographic uh in all the forms but also you will have no votes from me so bye but but like you know his his opinions not really like that far away from many other like democratic leaner leaders like mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi does not agree with Ocasio Cortez no, and no, and that's sort of a flaw of you know as as I say this on a podcast on the internet, there is a flaw in the liberal internet thinking that a lot of people who are who identify as liberal and on the internet assume they're a majority. People, I have had this argument many, many, many a time in the last going on four years now, three, you know, three years since um, the 2016 election where people were like, well, if only they, if the Dems hadn't cheated and, and put Hillary in instead of Bernie, he'd be president right now. Let me explain something to you. This is a different topic. Hillary Clinton did not lose the 2016 election because she wasn't liberal enough. That was not her problem. The Democrats are not the party of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They're not the party of Bernie Sanders. Um, There's a belief that they are the most popular because people live in bubbles, which makes them seem the most popular. But the Democratic base looks far more like Joe Biden than it does like Bernie Sanders, which is why he's performing so well right now in the polls. Is that right? Is it wrong? That's a different question. But to assume that because because we're liberal um, or, you know, leftist, uh, uh, Danny Anderson, you know, frequent guest of our show has done some really good shows on the difference between leftism and liberalism. So I invite people to go check out the sectarian review and his back catalog where he gets into that, but there is a difference. And the assumption that they are equivalent as opposed to allied confuses a lot of people and makes and makes people make incorrect decisions. Absolutely. That said, both wings do have problems with class consciousness, as do the conservatives. I think like one place where you can see that, uh, particularly on the left liberal side, is when you talk about grammar, actually. And I really thought I'd talk about grammar before this, but Oh, please do. (laughs) Three English majors on the show. I know. This is what I'm saying, right? Like, how many times have you seen that, though, where language is used as a policing mechanism, where it's liberals doing it, right? Where you're talking about someone in the poor that is maybe voting against their class interests, but the argument made against them 
is also kind of classist, right? Like, look at this ignorant mofo who can't spell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck you. No. It's like, you know, like everyone has been saying that the people of Mississippi or Alabama or Georgia yes. uh, or well, whatever, you know, deserve what they get. And they like deserve to rot in their hell holes. And I, I like more of this has come out since like all the crazy abortion bills have passed, which yes. also have like links to like poverty and will like mostly hurt poor women of color, specifically black women. But the the thing that happens whenever you say that Mississippi to just use my home state as an example, deserves to like burn in the hell of like Phil Bryant and Tate Reeves and Cindy Hyde Smith is that you're forgetting about the like huge number of poor people, specifically black people in the state. And also the fact that like Mississippi has Mm -hmm. super restrictive voter ID laws that disenfranchise the poor and uh, specifically black people. And again, like huge, like felony, like restrictive felony laws that also play into poverty. And I, and we haven't talked about incarceration uh, and it's overlaps with poverty at all um, in this podcast. And, you know, like once you get sent to prison, like that affects your education mm-hmm. that affects like abilities to get jobs, you know, your, edu- um, your education. And since, and since it affects your ability to get jobs, it's not a, you know, there's a systemic, when we talk about systemic um, classism and systemic racism, we're not just talking about the fact that yes. you are harmed by, by this world. Your descendants are, if you are too poor to put food on your table again, like, I see. I mean, Leslie, you alluded to the fact that I went to Carnegie Mellon University. I went to a very, very expensive, very, very elite school. Um, I got there because I was a yes. really, really smart no, and yes, b absolutely. fucking lucky. I mean, I, I, like it, it, it really was. I mean, part of it was me being really bright. But I, so I, I, I alluded to um, when I was when I was seventeen, I won this thing. There's this thing called National Achievement Scholar, um, which is sort of like um, 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 National Merit Scholars that people are probably more familiar with, but it's only for minorities. I was literally the only person who won it in Northeast Ohio my year. I was the, I was it like it was just me. So because it was just me, I had a bunch of recruiters from a lots of, from lots of colleges come and just offer me stuff. But because it was, you know, and I was on the radio and T, I mean, I had some interviews, but basically I just got lucky in that nobody else won. I was literally the smartest black kid in the state for five minutes. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, no, but but that's what happened. Like uh, because uh, because not only did I do well, but the fact that nobody else happened to gave me my pick and got me into the school and got me a scholarship. But again, dumb luck. And it you it's not right. repeatable. I couldn't just do it again, right? Like, I, and you can't expect that to happen to everybody else. And that's without me. You know, like my parents were not felons. If I, if I had, you know, if I had the dump, the bad luck of that, then it would have affected my ability and I wouldn't have been able to go. And you never catch up. The world is set so as to keep people from rising up. I, I was going to say, but not even like a felon, right? Like, I mean, like if a poor person gets arrested on suspicion of a felony, right? Just the process of waiting, right? can lead to job loss. It can lead to financial ruin. And if you're talking about someone who is a key supporter of a family, right? 
then I mean, like, yeah, like where are your fucking family values then, right? Like, because that 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 one event in the life of a poor person, even if they're completely and utterly innocent, right, can ruin their lives yeah. for years to come. Well, like, look at look at the fact that public defenders over yes. across the country are overwhelmed with cases. So you know, you know, if you need a public defender odds are they're not going to be able to devote the time they want to. And they want to a lot of them because they're in public service to your case. And once you go to prison, like the Durham, you know, County jail, like it's, it's terrible. Like the conditions are terrible, but like, if you like go into prison, like you, you lose a lot of your rights just by being there and you like have to go through a process. If you have a complaint and there's not much people can do. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people who like work in the law and they've like seen how broken our justice mm-hmm. system is. Like there's this like fictive idea <laughs> that the law is objective and it like measures everyone equally, but it's not true. No, no it's not true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, but like, no, I mean, like, no, I, I don't actually know. No, yeah, nobody, no, nobody no, no, I mean, like, the, the law is fictive. Yeah, That's yeah, what you want to believe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, yeah. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> right yeah that does tie into the puritanical ideology though right like it totally like aligns with it right because then it gives an excuse to be like oh that's that those white trash people they're not good people because this happened Mm -hmm. to them uh Mm -hmm. they had that broken tail light or whatever and they got pulled over and overreacted right you know and like maybe they had a broken tail light because they couldn't afford to fucking fix it i don't know same with black people right like absolutely the same with black people except They'll get yeah. shot yes. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I thought earlier that you know, just the the way we the way we use language just to discuss these things you know, back home in my rural area, the best compliment that you can be paid growing up there is <laughs> you're a hard worker. No, oh, yeah. The the worst insult you can get is oh you're a reliefer, someone on welfare, ah. someone on relief. Uh, that, that's yeah. That's the old term for it. you. You got relief from the state. You're a reliefer. I mean, yeah. And I, I grew up hearing that term for people who were mm-hmm. poorer than we were. And there's that assumption of you know, they're on relief. They're not mm-hmm. working. They're lazy. Um, and it's it's that Appalachian thing. You know, the the two room house and the eight kids and and there's just sort of that stereotype that plays out. But you know, lack of education, mm-hmm. lack of job opportunities, you know, all of those things that come into it. But then there's that social construct of oh, they're a reliefer, they're on welfare, they're lazy, they don't contribute, they are less, and they don't deserve more. Um, whereas if you're a quote unquote hard worker. And, and some of those people on relief work right. harder than anybody I right. knew. And that's kind of the, that's yeah. sort of the, that's sort of the, the flaw, the ideological flaw you're that, um, that Les pointed to at the very beginning of the show, you are, when you're making that statement, when you're shaming the poor, when you're shaming anyone, um, for not being like you, what you're trying to do is lift your own values. You know, why do, you know, well, STEM is important and humanities aren't. Why? You know, why is sex work unimportant? Why is, uh, you know, why is it even important to be a hard worker? Honestly, like, like uh, at the very end of the day, mm-hmm. like the argument against socialism, against things like, you know, the student loan relief is, well, I worked hard to do this. Why should anybody else get it for free? So you're saying that you only worked hard because you wanted something. I mean, I, like what, what is your argument there? Like, Either you love what you do or you don't. And if you don't love what you do, then 
I don't know, do yeah. something else. But like, but, but, but that's the, but if the argument is, well, that person doesn't deserve it because I had to work to get it. Well, you know, again, tough shit. <laughs> I've lived with this most of my life because believe it or not, until recently, no one back home really val- val- valued knowing a lot about the Avengers. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. No, but I mean, that's a joke, but like, that's absolutely true. You know, we talked a couple of shows ago about low culture and high culture. You look down upon those comic book reader nerds, you know, until it started making a billion dollars. And now because it's a billion dollar franchise, it has value. Yeah, I'm waiting for that poetry boom myself. <laughs> <laughs> so we're so we've resolved nothing. I, I think we can resolve one thing. Okay. What's that? Don't be a dick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think in general every episode does a good way to, to end things. Don't be a dick is is always the lesson. It's also the only swear word that Hannah uses, so <laughs> really? Yeah. <Mostly>. <laughs> uh Hey, Dad. <laughs> there's, there's a running joke that my parents are going to one day listen to this podcast and they're going to hear me swear and they're going to be like, Hannah, don't do it. Uh, my family values civil discourse. Um, I, I, I think this is pretty civil. Well, that's another show. <laughs> Um, but he might might listen to this one because he cares about financial things so so hey dad you are on my my dad's gonna listen because he's all about the oblique malthusian occurrence (laughs) that's right hey i'm just gonna say that swearing is also a class marker yes so fuck it <laughs> well on that note Les thanks for joining us this week yeah thanks Les yeah thank you thanks for having me I really enjoyed yeah. it uh, if people want to want to learn more about you or follow you where can they do that uh, this time I'm going to direct people to my website uh, lesk.com and hopefully it will get updated someday <laughs> that that will be linked in the show notes as always. And Palindro Hannah. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at Hanley Rogers. I'm probably tweeting about Superstore, which actually is a show that covers a lot of these topics in a very fun way. Uh its finale aired a couple weeks ago and it was really good. So you should catch up on Hulu. If Superstore and the good place get in a fight, who wins? Uh the good place, but also like I, I'm serious when I say like Superstore might be the most class conscious show I've ever seen. And also like one that really has its pulse on like Wait, America in our contemporary so moment in like an interesting way. Huh. Perhaps. Different, different, different than shameless. Uh, yeah. Oh, that, that we should, maybe, maybe that's a, a future show is just class conscious television shows, but I think we should do that. Cause like a lot of like um, shows like Mozart in the jungle have really like picked up on stuff. Yeah. Even you need to bring me back for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah? I must spend yeah. the entire show talking okay. about the Beverly Hillbillies. I, no, I, I think there's relevance there. I think there's relevance. There. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. Uh, I actually am very familiar because my mother, had us watch on TV land. I, I was just, yeah, there's so, a whole topic there about country folk and then how they have been portrayed. I was so, just yeah. so waiting to, so you know, 
hear Hannah say that her mother, you know, you know, discovered Texas tea or something. <laughs> <laughs> She's out lounging by the cement pond. That's right. Uh, she, she wishes. Oh, <laughs> Wayne, what about you? Uh, here mostly. Uh, <laughs> my, my blog, wayne-wise.com, which gets updated when I think to write something. Uh, <laughs> But here mostly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick or on my blog at www.chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Vox Popcast or on our blog at www.voxpopcast.com, which, like Hannah said earlier, you can find out about our next topic and contribute and give us comments that we will try to incorporate into the show. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And if you subscribe, please do us a favor. Go over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. If you write a little something, then give us five stars. That helps other people find the show and it makes us famous so that we can rise up through the class ranks and look at the class again. <laughs> because that is our dream. <laughs> uh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's my dream. And Hannah's a good girl. <laughs> We, we we have what two two comments two reviews That's at right. this point yes we do yeah and and I guarantee I know we have more people downloading the show than that and listening so at least three or four so yeah at least three or four so uh, so, so double our numbers two more people need to write a review well, are you gonna promise your firstborn child like Mav did last time to get a review yeah well that's already been taken so you know <laughs> <laughs> so I will promise you Hannah's firstborn child. Uh, there will be no, there will be no children, so you cannot promise that. Um, no, yeah, that you makes how, it a good promise, you, right? You notice how many children I have, so. Yeah. <laughs> but that's them actual it. kids. We're not Trumpian. Sorry. Ooh. Sorry. Ooh. <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening. Once again, thank you, Les, for joining us. No and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 No, my mama's so poor she opened a Gmail account just so she could eat the spam. Dude, my mama's so poor when she gets mad she can't afford to fly off the handle so she gotta go Greyhound off the handle. Ah, uh, my mama's so poor she walks down the road with one shoe. And if you ask her if she lost a shoe, she says, no, I found one. <laughs>